your copy of God's Word of James 4. We're only hitting two verses today, and it's a lot of stuff in them. I'm going to read them for us, James 4, 11 and 12. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbors? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this word that's before us. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and ears to hear it, to know it. Father, may we come under your law and not be those who try to be above it. Father, I thank you for the words that are here, and I pray that you would, through it, change our words to one another. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. I was um, pretty recently, probably within the last two months, I guess, I was watching um, a news show, and it was telling how uh, a guy and a girl that were um, in early in high school, early years of high school, they were chatting on Facebook, kind of back and forth through that media, and the, the, the guy was pretty suicidal. And the, the girl really took it on herself to help him like go ahead and commit suicide. So she was saying, you're right, it's pretty hopeless. You should just end it, you know why you can't. And this went on and she pushed him all the way to the point that he committed suicide. And it just made me think that um, words can really <laughs> change lives. They can direct and it doesn't matter the medium of the way those words are, you can be face-to-face, -face, the way they're carried out, it can be face-to-face, -face, it can be behind your back, um, it, it could be over the phone, letters, text, Facebook, any kind of ways, words have a lot of power. And words can speak you down, or words can speak you up. I kind of get that kind of terminology in our mind. It, you might have met with people before where you're going into the meeting, and uh, you, you may feel that, man, you're on top of the world, right? Things are great. And when you finish meeting with them, you're like, man, I'm pretty discouraged. Or you can be like at the, you know, down in the dumps, and you can meet with somebody, and then you're on top of the world. Have you guys had those situations, those conversations? Uh, you, you, we, we speak people up, or we speak people down, uh, we could say. And James 4, 11 and 12, he's picking back up on uh, our, our words and how they're used in community to build people up. Let me take a moment to, to find out how we got there. I think it's pretty important that we do that pretty often. Uh, for James, the main theme in the whole book is faith works, real faith works. And um, that's kind of like the whole book. And then in his book, he gives us these tests to say, is your faith real or is it false? And uh, we have lots of tests. And James points out in the book, it's like, hey, you guys uh, that have been brought forth by God's word and his word has been implanted in you, that's in verses 18 through 21 of chapter one, uh, look at the way you're treating one another. You're living these self-oriented, selfish lives and you're treating people with partiality. The people that can help you, you tell them to sit in a good place. All the people that can't really help you or give you anything, you're like, hey, why don't you sit over there or sit on the floor? So he's calling them out. He looks around and he's like, hey, uh, what about, how, how is your faith helping you through the circumstances and trials of life? That's how he starts the whole book. Uh, he's like, are you counting them all joy? Are you seeing that God's hand is in them? 
Now, let me tell you, this is pretty applicable for us right now. You know, are you counting the things that's going on in our, our world as joyful things? And here's what I mean by that. He's not saying, are you happy we have coronavirus? What, what he's saying is like, does your faith help you understand that God's at work through this? Does it or does it not? Um, God's working and doing those kind of things. Faith, the only way we can get through times like these is to have a faith that, that really works and understands that God's at work even through it. He goes on and he's like, what's going on with your temptations and your trials? Is, is your faith helping you to, to deliver you from them or do you keep giving in to the temptations and trials to sin again and again and again? Or is your faith calling you out and is it, is it causing you to want to, to live rightly? How is your faith doing there? Is it working in those areas? Then he goes on and he says, is your faith working? Is it, are you living selflessly with kingdom mindedness and eternity in mind? Or are you living for yourself and for the now? And then the other way that James is talking about the faith that works, he's like, the faith actually has feet and hands. It serves people. It doesn't just say, I love you. It shows love. And so for James, it's not just a faith that works outwardly, but it's a faith that secures you when everything about you seems to be giving way. Both of those things are what James is talking about. Is your faith changing you? Is your faith changing me? Or are you still double-minded? Thinking, I'll live for the Lord and I'll kind of live for myself, a little bit here, a little bit there. James says that shouldn't be so. In chapter three, James starts talking a lot about our speech, how it should be changed and affected and transformed if we've been made new. Uh, and he says that, but, in your case, and he's talking to the people that are reading, it's like, in your case, with your tongue, you bless the Lord who created all things, and then you turn around and you curse other people that are made in God's image. And I think at that point, James is thinking, man, he's thinking about real faith transforms the whole person. And he's like, but all these partiality and the way you're living for yourself and the way you're not taking your faith seriously in, in, in terms of how it affects and you see your circumstances and how it changes your temptations, and then you use your tongue to bless God and curse man, and he's, he just, I can see him like, man, shouldn't, such things should not be so for those who've been redeemed and transformed. And he says that certain things should not be, be so. If your faith is real, it should be showing up a little more in how you're living and how you're trusting and how you're acting. If your faith is true, it should be changing you to start living from wisdom from above, not wisdom from below. And that's kind of where he goes in that next section. And James says, the wisdom from above is living like this, and the wisdom from below is living for yourself, and he calls it hellish. It uses strong terms. When we live for ourselves and not for his kingdom's interest, we're living hellish lives. I say this a lot, that the, the greatest rebuke that Jesus ever gives to any of his disciples is to Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. And then, and then it's like hellish. Well, then he says, why? Get behind me, Satan. He says, you have your interests in mind and not my kingdom's interest. Man, that's tough. He goes on in, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He's like, if you live for yourself, if you live self-oriented lives between one another, he, he shows the picture of what the community looks like. Is there's going to be quarrels and conflicts and all kinds of evil things. That's the first three verses of chapter 4. And then in verse 4, he finally gets to the end, and he's like, man, your faith should be changing you. And he says, you what? He doesn't say you brothers anymore. He says, you adulterous people. Like you're making yourself an enemy of God because you're trying to be a friend 
of the world. He gives us great, strong uh, warning. Friendship with the world, living out of wisdom from below, makes you at odds from wisdom from above, and you act, you're acting out as the enemy of God all over again. Man, that's, you should be really convicted about now, right? James is pointing out that, man, my selfish living doesn't line up with my being transformed and made new. Um, and yet the very next verse says, but God gives greater grace. Right there in the midst of the strongest like, warning of like you're making yourselves like an enemy of God all over again because of the way you're living. And in that situation when we're sinners and enemies, that's when James says, but God still gives the greater grace. So what should we do? Well, he calls us to repent. He's like, humble yourselves and, and, and call to the Lord and trust upon him. We have to humble ourselves and understand that we really have nothing to give uh, to merit any kind of goodness or grace uh, from our Lord and look to him only for it. Humble yourselves. And what does he mean by that? He's saying line up under and obey God's word again uh, and you'll receive this greater grace. We talked about uh, the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came to his senses, he's like, I've tried to line up under my own thinking for a long time and it has not worked. And he's like, I'm going to turn, and get, I'm going to line up under my father's truths again. When he comes to his senses, what happens? It's like, I'm going to go home, and, but what happens? We, we see the father running after him and drawing near to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Good news um, for you and me. Now, now James starts picking back up where he kind of left off about our speech and what it does in community. In chapter 3, uh, the first part of it is talking about our tongue, and we mentioned some of that in, in some detail a minute ago, but um, uh, he says this. James, James gives the idea that your speech is a really good test to see if you've been made new. Your speech and the way you talk to one another or uh, the way you speak up somebody or the way you speak down somebody is a good indication of what's going on uh, and if your faith is real, why? Let me give you a verse. Matthew 12, 37 says this. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, the reason he can say we're justified by our words or condemned by our words is because our words come from what? Our heart. So uh, the reason that's true is we can start saying, what's my heart condition? We can see it through what comes out of our mouth. Uh, man, you know, that's hard. That's hard news, hard truths. It kind of reminds me of this psalm that we read earlier about God's judgment, right? Um, and we deserve that. So we've talked about the tongue's power to condemn and to control and to manipulate and to compromise things. Um, and at the end of that little section, it was summed up. It's like out of the same river shouldn't flow curses and blessings. Out of the person that's been redeemed and made new, we shouldn't bless one and curse another. Those things should not be so. If you've been made new, it should reflect in your speech, and, um, and it should do so more and more. If you, if you have new speech, then it should be getting newer all the time. It's not going to be immediately new completely, but it's going to be transforming all the time. So what happens? Um, what, is, what does James say not to do here? James says, don't speak down or against another. He says that in, in verse 11, the first part. Do not speak against one another, brethren. Uh, the word speak against is kind of a, a pairing of, of two different words. One means against, and the one means talk. And it's like, don't talk against uh, your brother, or don't speak against your brother. 
Um, some of the other translations that you might have in your Bibles, it says, do not slander. That's the, new, that's the uh, NIV says that. Do not slander one another. Uh, revile is another word. Uh, but speak against and talk against. And another one, it says, do not speak evil to one another. So those are the English translations that's behind that. And uh, I, I think it's not surprising that unbelievers are going to speak down against people. That doesn't, shouldn't surprise you. And it shouldn't surprise me, and we're going to read a verse in just a minute, and I, I, don't, I got it for you guys, but I forgot I didn't put it in my notes, so I'm going to look it up real quick, uh, and we'll get there. But it shouldn't surprise you, and it shouldn't surprise me, that non-Christians speak down uh, to people. But it's completely inappropriate for the followers of Christ to speak down against other people. That's what he's saying here. And particularly against one another who are of the household of faith. Um, it's a, an awful thing. And here's some things to notice. Let me give you about four or five things to notice about this command uh, not to speak down or against one another. The first one is this. The context is the family of God. So James has uh, been, he's been saying, you brothers, 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 you adulteresses, calling you to repent. Then he turns back and he's saying brothers again. Matter of fact, he says it three different times in just this, this two verses. He talks about brothers. And, and so what he's saying, he's commanding, particularly in the context of the body of Christ, you shouldn't speak down and against one another. You shouldn't slander one another and speak evil against one another. Now, I think that this uh, command has application beyond the family of God, but particularly it has application with our brothers and with our sisters. Galatians 1.10, it's not on the overhead, but it's a passage that says we should, we should do good to one another, especially what? Those who are of the household of faith. You know, a lot of times Christians are like, well, I'm going to take my time and I'm really going to spend my time with non-Christians and serving them, and, uh, and that's good. But you, we're not to do that uh, instead of serving one another, we especially should serve what? One another, because that's a testimony of the love of Christ. The second thing to note, the first one is this primarily in the context of the family of God, but it extends broader than that. The second is God takes the sin very, very seriously. First uh, Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Let me read this. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean all the, with the immoral people of the world or with the covetous or swindlers or idolaters, um, for then you would have to go out of the world. What, what's he saying? Now, I've told you don't associate with these people that are like covetous people and swindlers and people who speak evil to one another. Um, I didn't mean to avoid all of them. Why? Because we would have nobody to talk to, right? There wouldn't be anybody left. We would have to go outside this world because there's nobody in this world that this is not true of, uh, generally. But then he keeps on and he says this, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any of the so-called brothers if he is an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reviler, and that reviler is the same word, one who speaks down, uh, or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So that's pretty, what is, what is he saying? It's like he's saying that our actions should be different than the non-Christians' actions, right? And he's like, if people call themselves Christians and then they speak down to one another, he's like, don't even eat with them. Man, I wouldn't have any people to eat with. 
right? Because I speak down to people. Um, so he takes it seriously. That's point two, and I think it's important to note that. The third thing to notice is this. This command is given, and it says, don't continue to do this. And so James is speaking to people that are doing this. It's prevalent within the church that he's speaking to, and he's like, do this no longer, is the way the context is. And I think that that's important because he's saying this is serious. He's about to show us that it's really serious when we get to 11b and 12. And we're going to say just what it's, why it's so serious, but he's already starting to say, like, man, stop it. You know, don't do this anymore. So it's a serious thing. The fourth thing to notice in that, uh, when, we, when we say don't judge, I think it's important to say that James is not laying aside rebuking one another, correcting one another, uh, and doing the things and, and that, that, he, that we're called to in other places of the Bible. I think that's important uh, to note. So he's not telling us don't uh, rebuke, don't discern, don't call out sin, uh, don't call people to repent. He's not telling us when he says don't judge, he's not saying don't do those things. That's pretty important for us to get. Um, and it's pretty important for us to know that. And, and number one, we know that. What has he just said? He's just called out the people he's writing to and called them what? You adulterous people, right? So he's not saying, when he says don't judge, he's not saying don't call people out on their sin. He's not saying that. Now, we need to talk about that because so often we have people say, well, don't, you know, don't cast the first stone. Don't judge them, lest you be judged, right? And we take verses like that, uh, and we, we, we take verses like that, and then we accept behaviors that are against the Bible. And that's not what James is saying. A couple of examples, it's like, well, he just seems to lie all the time. Don't judge him. You kind of do it too. Well, does that mean we don't supposed to call somebody out for lying? No, it's not what he's saying. Or to take another one that maybe, uh, particularly in our area, we could say, well, well, he's a homosexual. Uh, well, I, I don't agree with that. And you're like, yes, but hey, you know, you have a different idea than, than he has, uh, so don't judge him. Now, James is not saying don't rebuke and don't judge. That's not what he's saying. Uh, when he's talking about those kind of things. Um, we're commanded in Scripture to lovingly confront one another in sin, right? We're, we're, we're called to rebuke one another, to correct one another, and we're to do it out of love. Now, we're not, like, I have the gift of correction. Nope, that's not what we're supposed to do. But we do supposed to correct one another. We have the gift of correction if we do it lovingly, perhaps. Uh, but the scriptures call us to call out one another when we're doing something that God's word clearly says not to do. And if we refuse to do that, then we're breaking that particular command. So James, uh, it, it, there's no contradiction in James saying, do not judge, and the rest of scripture saying, uh, rebuke and correct and train in righteousness. Matter of fact, in 2 in second Timothy 3.16, the Bible itself is given for the purpose of what? It's breathed out by God in order for us to do what? To rebuke and to correct and to teach and to train and to cause each other to be more righteous, to line up more alongside it. So James is not saying don't judge in that sense and don't correct, don't rebuke, don't, don't do those things. Uh, that's not what he's talking about that. In fact, when we correct somebody, when we rebuke them, when we say your life is not lining up with the word of God, is that speaking down to them? Is that speaking, let me ask this way, is that speaking them down? It's not really, it's speaking them up. Is it, is it giving death? No, it's giving what? Life. 
the, the way they're going is death. If you don't speak against it, you're not giving them life. We, we need to speak them up. In order to speak one another up, we need to point out sin, right? Does that make sense? I need a couple of head shakes, or I'm going to stay right here, and we're going to stay here all day. I'm just kidding. Um, the, the, the next thing to notice, the fifth thing, is you might have a translation, depending on what English translation you have. Some of the translations say, do not speak against or judge one another. A lot of the other translations translated in English, do not speak against and judge one another. Now, um, the reason I point that out is I really believe in everything that I'm reading in commentaries and just looking at it, I think these two are the same. When he says don't speak against, what he means is don't judge. Now, we got to talk about what judging means. We just talked about what it didn't mean, and we need to talk about what it does mean. So, now, before we get there, though, sometimes judging people, we don't, we, we don't wait till we get all the facts. Have you ever judged somebody without having all the facts? Yeah. Uh, we jump to judgment without attempting to discover the truth, and sometimes we don't want to discover the truth. Why? If we discover the truth, then we can't speak down at them, right? We don't want to know the truth because we're enjoying speaking down at them. That shouldn't be so. The difference, though, between this judging is the idea that are you judging according to the standards that you set up, or are you and I judging according to the standards of God's Word? And I think that we set up a lot of standards, right? It's not really according to God's Word. Um, and there's very different. Our, our standards are often a lot different than God's standards. And a lot of times we criticize people based on our, our standard of right living and our standard of wrongdoing rather than God's standard of doing right or wrong. I think, uh, let's go to Matthew uh, 7, 1 through 5. You can turn there or you can turn your heads to the screen, either one. But I think this helps us understand this. It says this, Matthew 7, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. Usually we kind of stop there. Um, For with uh, the, what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank in your own eye? Oh, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, we've got to be careful. We've got to judge not with our own judgment of what's right and wrong. We've got to judge with God's judgment of what's right and wrong. But this passage, does it say don't correct? No, what it says is like, let's get the, the standard right, and let's see that I need correction too, and as I'm correcting, being corrected by the Word of God, then, then I'm now ready to go and help correct somebody else. You see what it says at the end? It doesn't say, don't go correct them. It says, and then, after you deal with your problems according to God's Word, then you'll start seeing more clearly, according to God's judgment, how to deal with them, what things need to be corrected and what things don't. Have you guys, uh, do you ever use the word you should or you ought to do something? Right? Do you, parents, do you ever do that with your kids? You should. You ought uh, well, we've got to be careful with those words. Sometimes when we say that, we start setting up this standard that's our own standard of judgment and not God's standard of, of judgment in that. So um, there's a lot of reasons we might speak down at people or speak against people. Um, one of them is we want to elevate ourselves. And so we're like, if I put them down, 
I might not really be elevated, but I'm going to seem elevated. Does that make sense? If I put down the people around me, then I'm going to seem a little higher than them as I put them down. Uh, it might be because we envy them or we're jealous of them. And so, man, I got to put them down so I'm not, I don't keep being jealous about them. Man, they have this and this and this. If I put them down, I'm not going to maybe desire those quite as much. It might be that you just don't like them, all right? That's another reason we could do it. Um, another way we do it, and particularly in social media, I see this, we almost put people down to impress other people, right? I mean, if we can put them down more than somebody else puts them down, people are like, man, you got them, you know, that kind of thing, and we do that. And then the, the last one, a lot of times we don't even think about or consider that it's putting them down. We'll say something negative, and then they're like, oh, they're just too sensitive. But maybe it's that you're not sensitive enough. Um, so those things are all reasons. None of them are good reasons. And they're particularly horrible, James says, if, uh, if it's a believer doing it to other believers. Um, so what happens when we put people down? Well, when we speak down somebody or we, we speak against somebody, we're really speaking against God's law. We're speaking God's law down. And we're, we're speaking against it. Let me read the second part of verse 11. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Uh, what does this mean? What does it mean to speak evil of the law and judge the law? First of all, what is the law? I think uh, for James, uh, there's several things in different commentaries that said that James is talking about this law, the Ten Commandments, and God's laws of, to, to obey in the Old Testament. And then some... Some of the commentaries said, well, James is referring back to the law he talked about in chapter 2, verse 8, that God's royal law to love one another. I think he's got both in mind. Um, when he's saying that we judge the law, what we're saying is uh, when we speak down against somebody else, we're speaking down against the law to love one another because we're not loving them. And we're also not obeying God's commandments to you know, love our neighbors and the, other, the Ten Commandments part. So when we condemn and slander the law, what it means is we disregard the law. What we're, what we're saying in that is like when we speak down against somebody, what we're saying to the law is we're judging God's rule and God's law as it's not my authority. Um, I don't need to pay attention to God's rules. I make my own. Um, I don't want to need to obey them. Um, This, this is pretty serious stuff. Um, we talk about speaking down and against somebody. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. It's no big deal. They're too sensitive. What this is starting to say, though, is like, it's not just little things. You're speaking against God's rules and God's law. Like, you're speaking it down. What you're saying is when we say you're speaking somebody down, you're speaking the law down, you're putting it down under your level, and you say, I, that's not my authority, I'm over it. It's not over me any longer. Uh, James goes a step further, though. He says when you speak somebody down and speak against somebody, it's not just that you're speaking down, them down, it's not just that you're speaking the law down, but you're speaking God down, and you're speaking against God. Here's how he says it. Um, I don't have it up there. I don't have it up there. John Feld. But he says that we're speaking against God um, and we're speaking him down. Um, Psalm 51, 4, David says this, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. 
And I've always read that passage, and this is a James, I mean, um, Psalm 51 is, is David confessing his sins. And you're thinking, well, you sinned uh, against Uriah, and you sinned, you sinned against a lot of people. Well, how can you say against God, God only have I, have I sinned? And we, we think about that. Uh, he had a relationship with Uriah's wife. And how did he sin against God by sinning against Uriah that he killed? How did he sin against God? Because he took himself out from under the authority of God, I shall not kill. And he put himself above that and he said, it's better for me to kill. And so what he did is he was actually judging God's rule, law and he was sinning against God in that. Uh, speaking against God, certainly he sinned against Uriah, but there's some greater when he sinned against, he sinned against God him, himself. Uh, and what you're really saying when we do that, when we, when we speak somebody down, we're speaking God's law down below us, and we're speaking God himself down off his throne and saying, I'm on the throne. And so what we do is we, we try to be the judge. That's, way, that's the reason we can say it that way, is, is God is the only lawgiver, God is the only judge, and what we say when we speak somebody down is, I'm going to take your place, God, on the throne. I'm going to be the judge. You're not my judge. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called Respectable Sins. And let me just, there are no respectable sins. That's where he goes with that. But what we think is, we, we would say, yes, we're supposed to rebuke people and correct people who murder. We're supposed to rebuke people and correct people who are homosexuals. Those are the two things we used a little bit earlier. We're supposed to correct people who get drunk and all that. And uh, yeah, but those speaking down to somebody, everybody does that. But James is saying that's a horrific, demonic sin. Why? Because when you speak down against somebody, what you're doing is you're saying, you're speaking the law of God down. And you're saying, I'm above the God, God's law. And you're speaking God himself down. And you're saying, I'm the judge. God's not the only lawgiver and the only judge. There's only one lawgiver and one judge. That's the last point. And we should fear him. I, I'm going to give you this. If you're taking notes, jot this down, read it later. I didn't put this one in there. But Deuteronomy 32, 39 is a really, really good verse. It talks about that. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 39. But I did put this one in there. Isaiah 33, 22. It says it this way. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. The Lord will save us. There's only one. And he says that that one lawgiver and that one judge, he is the one who's able to save. And he's also the only one who's able to destroy. Um, the only way, we're protected from the law coming down on us if we're in Christ. That's the only way we're not destroyed by it. The word here saved um, means to rescue us from danger, to be rescued from destruction, from perishing. And lost men are perishing and God is able to save them uh, by placing them in Christ, that's the good news. God is able. The word able in, in, in that Hebrew is, is the same word as kind of dynamite, the power. God has the power to save, the power to redeem you and to me. So God gives the law. He's the one who applies the law. And he's the one who has the power to deliver people from the penalty of the law. He has the power to um, exact the penalty of the law and destroy men. The word destroy is very strong. 
It means to damn them to hell. He has the power and he alone does. So God alone is the judge who sees all the things rightly and, and well. You know, we say, I want to be a ju- on the throne. I want to be the judge. But we don't understand people's hearts. and We don't understand people's motives. And we judge wrongly. We mess up pretty often. But God sees everything clearly and even the motives of the heart. Matthew uh, 10.28 says this. Um, Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear what man can do to you. All they can do is kill you. But God is the judge who can condemn you to hell. He's the one that can do that. Fear him. In our world, Greg will tell you this, uh, the justice system fails a lot of times, right? Doesn't always get it right. Doesn't always have all the information. There's a lot of human error and faulty justice. Uh, but all uh, will be put to right by the God who is on the throne. God is the one lawgiver and judge who does right. The people who think they got, got off scot-free, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at the, where that comes from. I looked it up because I thought of it, and I'm like, okay, so what does scot-free even mean? Uh, look it up. Let you, let you homework, right? Uh, but the people who think they got off scot-free, they're going to come to the, the to the God who is the one and true judge, and they're going to find out they didn't get off scot-free. And yet, you and me and people who feel like, well, you know, I, I, were, I was punished unjustly, you're going to be vindicated one day before that judge. And that's good news. God's going to right all wrong. Genesis 18:25 says, the judge of all the earth will do right one day. So what you and I have to be careful to do is not to, to jump in and execute our own judgment. In 1 Corinthians 4, and this is not on the overheads either, but you might want to jot this down. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul's like, I don't care how you judge me. And what he means when he's saying that in context, he's not saying, I don't respect the courts of, of human courts. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is like, your judgment doesn't ultimately matter. There's a judge that's greater than me. Matter of fact, he says, he goes on to say, my judgment doesn't even matter. I'm judged by God himself. And he's the one who judges me. Pharaoh said this in Exodus 5, 2. This is, and you and I say this, and you're going to think, no, I don't. And I'm going to say, yes, we do. He's like, I know of no Lord greater than me. And every time we speak down to somebody, what we're saying is, I know no Lord greater than me. I've just made the right judgment call. I've just put myself above the law and above God. I know of no one greater than me. And Jerry Bridges, that, that book I, I mentioned, Respectable Sins, he gives, and I should probably have read some of the excerpts, but he gives several things uh, where he used to judge differently and according to his own standards, and then as he grew in Christ, he's like, man, he repented of those. The two that, he, that, that I was thinking about reading, I'll, I'll just describe them. When he was younger, he used to go to a church where they all had suits and ties on, and the ladies would have nice dresses. And then he went to a different church, and they weren't wearing suits and ties and nice dresses, and he was like, that's awful. That's terrible. They don't love Jesus. And he says, as he grew in the scriptures and the knowledge of the scriptures, he's like, that was my own judgment. That was my own requirement. I was speaking against them in my heart and actually gives an illustration that he spoke down to an older lady who wasn't dressed appropriately, right? 
Um, and he said, I, I started judging according to God's word, what I ought to do and what I should do is what God's word says. I got to be careful with that. And then the other thing was, has to do with, you guys know about this possibly, but music. It's like, uh, I didn't like any instruments, but pianos and organs until I found out that I never saw a piano and organ even in the scriptures, like as I got older, right? They weren't even there. There were other instruments that were there. And I thought that was pretty interesting. When we judge each other, when it says don't judge, it's according to his rule, his law, not our own laws. We have to be really, really careful with those things. And then Charles Simeon, he lived uh, 1759 to 1836. Uh, he wrote down four personal like directives to direct him in regards to uh, slandering and speaking down to others and listening to somebody come and say something against somebody else. I'm going to read his directives. These are, this is quoted from his book. Um, this is a quote. First, to hear as little as possible what is to the prejudice of others. Like, I, I, I don't want to hear the prejudice of others. I want to hear that as little as possible. Second, to believe nothing of the kind until I'm absolutely forced to. That's interesting. To believe nothing of the kind unless I'm ab absolutely forced to. Third is this to never drink into the spirit of the one who circulates ill reports. To never drink into the spirit of the one who circulates ill reports. And fourth, I know the terminology is slightly old, but the truths are there. And fourth, to always, always to believe that if the other side were heard, a very different account would be given of the matter. <laughs> if I heard the other side, a, probably a big different account would be given of the matter. I think those, those are all some applications to this. But the main application is this, there is only one lawgiver and judge who can issue laws that are eternally valid and eternally binding. If you practice uh, law long enough, you'll find out that our laws change. Greg's probably practiced it long enough for him to see it, and he's young. Uh, when I used to uh, do some real estate years ago, I had like three pages of paper to, to have to deal with at the, at the closing. And now it's like, 628 pages of paper, it's crazy. The laws change, what you have to do and all those kind of things. Laws are different from one county to the next, one state to the next, one country to the next, but there's only one lawgiver and one judge who gives eternally valid and binding laws and never changes. And that one judge is also the only one who can make a, a valid judgment on the, on the eternity of, of his people or on people generally. He's the one who can, what, save? And he's the one who can destroy. And he's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can destroy. He can declare people just and right and not guilty because they're covered by Christ. And that judge can speak somebody down. Or what? Or that judge can speak somebody up. And the way that judge can speak somebody up is by speaking Christ into them. Right? or them into Christ. And if that judge speaks you up, guess what? There's nobody that can speak you down. That's amazing truth. In Romans 7, Paul is he's talking about, you know, I believe he's a Christian at this point. He wants to follow the Lord. You know, he's been writing scriptures for us to have that God gives him through the Spirit. And he says, man, I, I'm, he kind of sees what James is saying. I'm doing things that I don't want to do, being a Christian. And there's all these other things that I know I should be doing that I'm, that I'm not doing. And he starts seeing himself aright, and he humbles himself, and he's like, 
man, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin and body of death? You know, he's been spoken down himself by disobeying God's rule, and he says, um, but thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then he goes on, there is there now for no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If God speaks you up in Christ, nobody can speak you down again. But if he's spoken you up in Christ, then our speech should be different, and it should be life-giving. We need to be really careful not to judge one another according to our own thoughts and our own judgments, but we should uh, only judge according to God's word. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the truth that we're called not to be the lawgiver and judge. But Father, it's pretty convicting as we see that as we speak people down and down to people, as we slander and use our own judgments to tell other people what they should and shouldn't do, press in on that. Father, that's an evil thing. Father, we thank you that you speak us up when we're down. You speak Christ into us when we're yet sinners. Father, you speak Christ to us and give him to die for us when we're enemies of the cross. Father, I pray that if there's any here that are already down, Father, not obedient to your law and your word, and Father, know uh, that there's no hope for them to be obedient enough, or they would humble themselves and call on you and say, Father, would you speak me up in Christ? Father, I thank you that for all who are in Christ Jesus, no, there's none that can speak us down. Satan can't touch us. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, there's so many applications to our speech, so many applications to um, the, the seriousness of even what we consider respectable sins. Lord, I pray that you would apply this to our lives and may we go home and learn much more about the truths of, of these things. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen.